to get the two points each and every night. Well, and Riley Shan brought in to kill penalties. He played 12 and a half minutes today. Two and a half were on the PK. Nugent Hopkins played almost two and a half minutes on the PK. Uh, for defenseman Oscar Clefbaum played 441 on the on the PK. Uh, Russell played 317. Nurse played three and a half minutes on the PK. Uh, even Dreisaitl was out there almost two and a half minutes shorthanded. So, uh, you know, leaning on a few different guys to uh, to log the log the tough minutes and, and early in the game and you talk about keeping the game under control staying in it you know even, even if you're not at an advantage finding a way to stay in it and not get behind or too far behind the Oilers were, I mean they they were in trouble early the with 13:31 to go in the first period the Rangers got a two man advantage for 40 seconds so they already had a minute 20 mm-hmm. of a of a one man advantage before and after that and you know a couple chances for the Rangers but the Oilers got through it unscathed well, you think about it. If the Rangers score on the five-on-three in the first 40 seconds of the power play, they've got a one-nothing lead, and now they're going to have another minute plus on the power play. They could they can extend the lead, make it a two-nothing lead, which might be too much to overcome. You know, having the Oilers played so many games on the road already, maybe they're a little tired. But the penalty killing got it done. And when you score a five-on-three goal, huge lift for your bench obviously you got a goal on the board but when you don't score on a five on three it deflates your bench and the other team all of a sudden there's uh they're uplifted there's like okay guys look at that's a big kill let's get going and you start pushing the other way so uh the penalty killing have given the oilers chances to win hockey games and that along with the great play tonight of or this afternoon of mike smith who was very good on the penalty kill, very good on the five-on-three, but also, remember, he's the one that 30 seconds into the game faced a breakaway and made a big stop on that breakaway, which also may have changed the complexion of the hockey game. Yeah, Mike Smith, solid 20 saves. Not more than a ton of shots in this game, 27-21 in favor of the Oilers. I, I thought it was... I mean, I thought it was a well-goaltended game. I'm sure Lundqvist will probably be unhappy about the Oilers' third one because that kind of squeaked through him. Dreisaitl took the shot from a bad angle, and Cassian was uh, was hacking away in front. But, uh, I mean, both guys made some really good saves. Uh, Lundqvist absolutely robbed Chase on in the second period. But, you know, like like you said and like, like we've been saying, if Smith... If your goalie can't win you the game outright, and, I mean, Koskinen was a big mm-hmm. part of that two days ago, then then stay in it make make the stops and you know Panarin was was blasting away we mentioned the the Rangers power plays but Smith able to uh hold the fort couple goal posts east way but most goalies will say hey I'm not, I don't need to stop the ones that are going wide <laughs> so well and in, in, in over the last couple of years how many times did the opposition score on the others on the first well, that one shot year of the game? was two years ago it was it was either 12 or 13 times yeah. the first shot went. and I know that this is a different team and different players and maybe the mentality is a little stronger than it was then but when over and over you're getting scored on on the first shot of the game, it's tough to rebound from that. You're always second-guessing yourself. The bench is down a little bit. So making the save that Smith did on uh, on a clear-cut break- breakaway of the opposition's best player, who I think came into the 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 score, he was coming into this game, was in the top two or three scoring in the National Hockey League. He puts that puck in the net, and, and the Rangers are, are, are ready, and they're pumped, and everything's going forward for them. But he makes the save, and that is something that we haven't seen enough of over the past couple of years. And and I and I, I say again that this was the Oilers' fifth straight win, and I, I think for the games, their goaltending has been very, very good. The one game at home where Smith, against L.A. Smith did not have a strong game, but in all five games, the Oilers had the better goaltending. 
Even the game where Smith wasn't as good, Quick was terrible for the LA Kings. So the, the Oilers have won the goaltending battle five times. I'm not sure if it was many more than five times all of last season where the Oilers goaltenders were the better goaltender, let alone steal a hockey game. All right, the Oilers take it 4-1 over the New York Rangers. We talked about the uh, improved penalty kill, and no doubt that's our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. We will have post-game reaction from the Oilers dressing room. We'll get to your calls in a couple of minutes here, 780-496-0063. You can also text us at 630-630. Funny how things work out. Cassian and Dreisaitl have a two-on-zero in the second period. Don't have, don't get a shot on goal. That whole line has a three-on-one in the uh, third period. I don't know if they gave Cassian credit for a shot, but I mean it wasn't really much of a chance. And then the game-winning goal winds up being a pass. McDavid's trying to throw it in front, and it banks in off Truba. Well, I, I think that certain players have the green light to make a decision whether you pass or shoot every time they touch the puck and that would be Leon Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins and Connor McDavid. Every time they touch the puck you give them carte blanche, do whatever you want with it because you know better than I do. But certain players don't and Zach Cassian is a guy that when McDavid or Dreisaitl or somebody gives you puck they want you to shoot the puck. That's why they're giving it to you. Cassian has a two on, well, actually Cassian has a breakaway. He's got five stride head start on the New York Ranger defender trying to catch him, and he doesn't take a stride. He slows down to try and give the puck to dry settle, and then he was going to cut off the defender coming back. Zach Cassian is one of the fastest players on the Oilers. You've got a breakaway. Go in and try and score. If you don't score, you got a guy getting your rebound. But you can't make that play there. And then the other one is a three-on-one. Again, McDavid makes a fantastic play going wide, goes around the defender, puts it right on Cassian's stick. Again, put the puck on net. He tries actually passing back to try. So it would have been pretty, but look what happens when you don't make the pretty play. He fans on it and then kind of just pushes it towards the net in a bit of a panic. Zach Cassian could have had two great goal-scoring opportunities. He passed up. You don't want to pass those up when you're playing with the top players on the team. You want to take them. If they go in, great. If they don't, they don't. But make sure you give yourself a chance. Four goals for the Oilers today. That means a $100 donation to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous, courtesy Ascendant Financial. When the name of the game is life, there's Ascendant Financial. Visit CoveredAlberta.ca. $25 for every goal the Oilers score throughout the season. Going to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous, the total up over 500 bucks. Thanks to Ascendant Financial for that. So a 4-1 win for the Oilers. They're 5-0 on the season. 780-496-0063. Chris from Phoenix checking in this afternoon. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, we're five and zero, oh, huh? That's amazing. I'm just curious where uh, where all the naysayers and all the haters are. They're pretty quiet now. I think they're uh, they're trying to run after the bandwagon that's uh, steadily speeding away. Uh, Bear, I'm not going to comment. I'm not going to comment on uh, all the players. The the one player I want to comment on is Bear. Uh, this kid right now has single handedly just changed the Oilers, not only the Oilers depth chart on uh, D, but on the right hand side with him. Uh, showing that he can play top four minutes and if he keeps on doing this for uh, the remainder of the season and, and, and turns into a quality top four defenseman we're in great shape because uh, because all those prospects that we have uh, on the farm right now that are on the deep, on the deep side of the puck is just currency that's currency in the NHL and uh, like I said when we hired Holland I said give the guy a chance he knows what he's doing he's got a 600 and or he's got a, a 
66% win percentage. I, I just looked it up. He's got over 700 wins as a Wings GM. The guy knows how to win, and that's all I have. And let's go Oilers, 5-0. and Thanks, Chris. And really good point that, he, that the caller just made right there with, with Bear and, and the depth chart. Normally, if a Larson goes down, you usually bring guys up, experienced veterans, move up in the lineup, and then you have a younger guy that would play lower minutes in a, in a bottom pairing. What Bear and the way he's played has done, it's allowed the Oilers to keep Russell and Benning where they can succeed, and that's as a third-pairing defenseman, where they can have success. Benning right now is another plus. He's plus six on the season after five games. This is a third-pairing defenseman. He's plus six. He's able to play there and have success because Bear has played so well where he is in top four minutes. Parison, another guy that was brought in by, by Holland, is playing again in top four minutes, and it has been very, very – you don't notice him. Like, that's five games in a row, and at the end of the night, what did what, what did Pearson do? And you start thinking, and you can't notice anything, and that's good because he's not making a big mistake. He's, he keeps everything simple. He makes nice outlet passes. He's not getting run over. He's not stuck in his end for a long period of time. So players right now for the Edmonton Oilers are all put in roles where they can have success, and because of that, the team is having success. 4-1 win over the Rangers. There was a roster move before today's game. The Oilers activated Josh Archibald, so obviously he could play this afternoon. Colby Cave placed on waivers for the purpose of assignment to Bakersfield in the AHL, so we'll find out tomorrow if he gets claimed. Archibald and Chason return to the lineup. Uh, Archibald, obviously, some criticism for his... I, I mean, I guess he was trying to shoot, but it kind of was between McDavid and between the nets, so he didn't put the puck in a good spot. It rimmed around, and the Rangers got a goal off that. But Archibald, uh, back in the lineup, played 10:50, and Alex Chason back in the lineup. Both guys had been ill, 11:55 on the ice for Chason, and, and he did the, the work down low that we've come to expect from him. Yeah, you know, he's in a bit different role right now than he was last year. Last year he played a lot in the top six. And he also was, you know, your first power play guy in front of the net. Well, that's been taken over by Neil, and he's not getting top six minutes. But what you like about him is uh, he's a veteran and he's a professional, and he understands what his role is. It's different. He goes out there without complaint and does what he needs to do. And he's not a guy that's going to beat you off the rush. But when you get below the ringette circle or ringette line or below the tops of the circle, he can have success because he keeps the puck down low. He uses his size to his advantage. He makes players go around him uh, with his body positioning. And I thought he was fine. He, he he played well. And Archibald, you know, it was it wasn't to me it wasn't so much how badly he missed on the shot. It was the fact that he didn't just put the puck so that McDavid could get to it. You have the fastest player and the best offensive player in the world going to the net. Try and see if you can get him the puck instead of just making a, an ill-advised play at the net. So other than that, I thought Archibald was fine. I thought Chason was fine. The bottom six were good again and gave the Oilers uh, the, the chance that they needed to come back in a hockey game, which they did again. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think an ongoing theme, they're going to have to score at some point mm-hmm. to, to, to really help out, but but they are checking, they are killing penalties, and at, at the very least, tying the game. And that sets the stage for, for the for the high-end guys to, to go out and get it for sure. This is the only game complete in the NHL today as we check the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer. If you're looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. 
uh, just getting underway. Do we have a score yet? No, just a couple of minutes in. No score between the Lightning and the Senators. Uh, baseball playoffs between the Nationals and Cardinals just getting underway. That's in the top of the first. Uh, we just got uh, flipped. You can see the snow piled up along the side of the field in Winnipeg. It's not on the field, but Winnipeg and Montreal just underway in the CFL. Eskimos and... Lions at 5 o'clock. It's on 6.30. Chad Morley Scott will stop in for a preview a little bit later on. Oil Kings home tonight against Calgary at 7 o'clock. And the Golden Bears home against the Saskatchewan Huskies 7 o'clock at uh, Claire Drake. So a lot to follow today for sure. 780-496-0063. We have Brian on the line. Hey, Brian, go ahead. Hi, it's Brian from Calgary again. I was just, uh, I refereed hockey for a long time, and I'm the last guy to ever criticize officials, but I thought on that, uh, and I wanted to know what you guys thought on that uh, disallowed goal by Cassian. Um, I am I'm, I feel like the referee was just guessing, and uh, he has the option there to wave off the goal for a player in the crease and not call, call a penalty. And often uh, when you see a hockey game, uh, goaltender interference penalty usually means uh, someone ran over the goalie. Mm-hmm. And I was just wondering how you guys felt about, A, the fact that he just didn't go with the waved-off goal, and, B, whether you even think there was an infraction there to, to start with. That it, the, and, and I just saw a tippet on the on the post-game interviews, and he said he was going to challenge it, but if he challenges it, he, he gets the interference penalty, plus he gets one more penalty, so he's down five on three for two minutes. So just wondering what you guys thought there and, and, uh, and uh, the, you know, about the ref making a yeah. call that maybe he didn't see it quite right, and he's kind of guessing on it. Thanks, Brian. He's very well-spoken, that man, for a referee. You know, they're usually oh, little... <laughs> no, just kid, nice. just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> uh, I, I, Reed and I talked about it at the time. We thought that... It was probably goalie interference, but it certainly was not a penalty. Uh, to me, there's got to be intent or, or something along that lines to call a penalty on a player. His foot was pr- probably impeding uh, Lundquist's pad trying to get out to make the, the, the save. So both Reed and I agreed, and we talked about it for a while during a commercial break, that the goal probably should have been waved off, but at, both of us were adamant there should have been no penalty called. And I didn't even think of that, and, and it was a good point that you made what, what Tippett talked about. You're right, if, if they were wrong on the call, if they challenge, and Dave Tippett challenges, and they're wrong, and they say, no, it it is no goal, now the others are down five against three. Yep. And that is a really big risk on something that is 50-50. So uh, Tippett had really no choice. So if head there not been a penalty called which we don't think should have been and it was just a no goal dave tippett probably at that point will challenge it because all right we'll go down five four but you certainly are not going to go down five against three that again could change the complexion of the hockey game so uh yeah i agree with the the calgary referee that it should not have been a penalty i uh i I wonder too I, i don't think the referee was guessing on the play but the angle he was, it may be from his angle, mm-hmm. it looked worse than it showed on the replay because Cassian's in front of him and he sees Lundquist move in his direction and then he sees Lundquist go down, the puck go in, and maybe it looked like the collision was more severe than it was. Yep. I wonder if he maybe would have been on the other side. It wouldn't have seemed as severe and maybe he waves it off but doesn't call the penalty. No, you're right. And I, it, I didn't think it should have been a goal. No, I, I agree. I, we both thought it wouldn't, shouldn't be a goal, but it, it certainly did not appear to be a penalty uh, by any means. So that that was a little bit surprising, and you'd see the look on Cassian's face when he got the penalty. So no, uh, but it, it, it's funny, though. Something small like that, calling the penalty, changes a lot of different things that could come afterwards. It did not allow Dave Tippett to challenge it because it was too much of a risk. And, and they're really trying 
to discourage coaches from challenging mm-hmm. unless they're really sure or it's a desperate situation. Well, I mean, if there's two minutes left in the game and that could have been the tying goal, then you probably just challenge because your odds aren't, your odds aren't very good anyway. But you know they don't they don't want you to challenge unless you're you're 100 sure or it's just desperate and you have nothing to lose well what was happening there are a lot of teams and they even admitted to it some of them is they were just trying to slow down the game right yeah which i'm challenging i know it's going to be a goal but we needed a four or five minute break instead of just a five second break where they're dropping the puck we're reeling right now so teams are using it as a timeout and that's not what the intention was so i, I like the new rule i honestly do i like the new rule it holds coaches accountable, it holds referees accountable and keeps the game flowing and we don't have the timeout challenge that we've been getting a lot of. The Oilers win at 4-1 over the Rangers. Five wins in a row. Their last five-game winning streak, March 23rd to April 1st of 2017. 780-496-0063. We have Carson on the line. Go ahead, Carson. Hey, guys. Uh, was just listening to the game. Uh, I actually just got done moving to drilling right and uh, couldn't be happier. Hey, uh, yeah, First, I want to say uh, good job on the show, guys. You guys are doing a hell of a job. Uh, my two points are, uh, uh, one, Kippett and, and Smith. I've seen these guys lots in Phoenix. Absolutely great guys. We, uh, when I heard we got them both, I was over the moon. You know, the only two things I really want to see the Oilers uh, clean up a little bit, it would sure be nice to bring the fans back, or just the prices I think they could work on. And I'd sure like to see the drill and rake. Anyways, I'll hang up. Thank you very much, guys. Have a good day. All right. Appreciate it, Carson. Well, a previous relationship between Smith and Tippett certainly didn't hurt. Nope. And, you know, Tippett has, has said that. Uh, I, I know what he's like and some familiarity there. So that always helps. Even with Neil, earlier in Neil's career, they had a bit of a history in Dallas. So so that so that never hurts. Um, I mean, you know, if, if, it, if it works, it's because it's familiarity. If it doesn't work, it's old boys club, and why are you hiring your friends? But, <laughs> but, but no, uh, I mean, Smith uh, Smith has been very good. Koskinen has been good in his two starts, so the goalies have, have kept them in it. And I'm sure for Smith, even though he's a veteran coming to a new team, probably helps to, to know your coach, even if you're an older player like he is. Well, it does, and it probably got him the start in game number one as well. I thought neither goaltender knocked it out of the park in preseason. You know, and Smith missed a bunch of time. He was sick. But because Dave Tippett knew what he's capable of doing, because he's seen him time and time do it in the past, I think that gave him a little bit of edge when it came to the first game of the year, which was good for Smith. It gets his confidence going, knowing that the coach was behind him. And then he goes out and has a good game and repays the coach. So that helps there. any time you see a coach or a GM go to another franchise, there's always one or two players that follow very quickly, guys that have been a part of that coach or that GM's success, someone that they trust in certain situations, they follow and go to that team as well. Mike Keenan was famous for it. Every time he went somewhere, there was about three or four guys that quickly came to his team because he liked their leadership or he liked something that they did. Uh, I think that Dave Tippett was the right hire. And right now, Mike Smith is proving that he might have been the right signing. All right, the Oilers take it 4-1. We're going to call a quick timeout. All right, the Oilers take it 4-1. We're going to take a quick timeout. Plenty of time for your phone call, 780-496-0063. We'll get to some texts as well to 630-630. Post-game reaction from Madden Square Garden all coming up. Oilers hockey presented by World of Spas. This is Heartland Ford, overtime open line. Center pass, one-timer denied. 
release on Rob. Back door by Henrik Lundqvist. Gliding in right-hand side. Drop off Fox. One-timer, Shea saves Smith. Rebound, another save Smith on Kreider. Rebound loose, and Smith was able to cover. All right, saves of the game. Courtesy of Jiffy Lube, keeping you moving. Good goaltending today. A little bit there from Lundquist, from Smith as well. They were both pretty good, but Smith gets the win as the Oilers take it 4-1. They are 5-0 and out of the gate. You can't start any better. Some texts here to 6:30, 6:30. Uh Wayne says, uh, here's my opinion on the game. As far as I'm concerned, the Oilers are 10 points closer to a playoff spot than they could have been. These are valuable points, which hopefully pay off at the end of the year. Wayne adds, I predicted 97 points on Bob Stoffer's show earlier in the year, and quite frankly, I'm just enjoying watching them play. Jeremy from Glendon says, hey, Reed, uh, let's take a look at the whole 5-0 and thing. The Oilers are 3-0 and on a four-game Eastern road trip. East Coast trips usually crush the Oilers, but they'll finish with at least 75% of the available points on this one, which you have to do if you want to make the playoffs. And a, uh, another texter who didn't sign his or her name says, please tell Chris from Phoenix there's still plenty of opportunity to lose 45 to 50 of the next 77 games. Have faith. Fool me once. Shame on me. Fool me 26 of the last 28 years. Uh, this team isn't strong enough to keep winning games from behind all year. Well, you may be right. But it's okay to be happy that your favorite team won a game or two. But I guess that that person has decided he doesn't want to be happy and has nothing to be thankful for on Thanksgiving weekend. I feel bad for him, but that's okay. So, <laughs> you can call 780-496-0063. You can also text us at 630-630. Back to the open. Do we have Tippett ready to go, Brendan? All right, here sure he is. Do. He hasn't lost a game as the Oilers coach. Here's Tippett. Day five straight wins, uh, but all in comeback fashion. Uh, what does that say about this group and kind of the the history behind that? First team to ever do that. I, I think it's different. The game's different now. It's you know we got scored on early tonight and a lot of time in the game left to come back. So we don't think about that. We think about playing well. We uh, first period was all right, but I thought we got a lot better as the game went on and really we uh, played a solid road game. I, I think we. We probably could have had some more opportunities. We missed a net a lot the first two periods. I think we had 17 missed shots. We only had 15 on goal the first period, or 13 on goal. So we did a lot of things well. Um, you know, our power play came through for us in the third. But kind of a fortunate bounce there, and our, and our penalty killing was good all game. So just uh, nothing, you know, nothing special about the game. Just kind of... Uh, went about our business and found a way to win. Speaking of the pe- uh, penalty kill being good, they often say your goaltender has to be the best penalty killer. Smith, seven stops on the PK, many of the tough variety tonight. Yeah, he made a couple of real good ones there, especially early in the game. You don't want to get, you know, you give up a five on three. With, if you uh, let the other team get a bunch of momentum, then uh, it can work against you. So Schmidt and our penalty killers did a heck of a job. It's not easy to come through New York and get get three wins. What does that say, do you think, about, about your team and the way that you've been able to handle stuff on the road so far? Uh, you know, it's not about New York. It's about every game just going out and trying to find a, a way to win and whoever we play against. So, you know, we've been here for a week. We'll move on now. But uh, two of the games, I thought the Islander game and this game, we were pretty solid. Devils game, you know, probably not as good as we needed to be, but we found a way to win. Uh but, you know, we continue to build as a team. It's early, and but we got a lot of people contributing to uh, to a good team effort. And tonight tonight was a solid team game. But like I say, nothing really special. We just went out and kind of went about our business and found a way to win. Well, what into your decision to put uh, Granlin at center on the third, fourth line, what have you? you know, and, I, yeah. What do you think? Smart, yeah. smart player, and I'm, I'm trying to find ways to get him 
uh, get him more engaged in the game. And he's he's been on the wing and left wing and right wing. And then it was actually Glenn Gullickson. Uh, they used him at center a little bit when he was in Vancouver there. So Gully said, you know, maybe we give him a try at center tonight. So and he was solid. Like I'll give him credit. He hadn't played there all all camp, but uh, he jumped in there was real solid. He's a smart, smart player. Like he he reads situations really well. So. Um, you know, we got Chase on an Archibald back in there, but uh, Granlin center was uh, it worked out well. That's uh, that's Glenn Gullickson call that one. What kind of uh, lift game changer is it for the bench for the team when you get on a power play and you just can have a feeling that you know we might get one here? Whereas you know sometimes <laughs> you get a power play and you almost want to decline it. You know there are times. Yeah, I haven't. I've been around only a short time, but we've had. There's no use declining no, many no, on no. <laughs> But you've been in other situations where you yeah, like yeah, yeah. No, they. Uh, you know what? Those guys have been playing together, other than Neilers with them, but they've been playing together for a while. So they, uh, they move the puck well, and they're they're obviously talented, talented players. So you put players on the ice like that, and when you give them an advantage like that, you know, a lot of times they can take. Uh, use that advantage to their favor so it was a bit of a fluky goal tonight we had a couple other looks there but you know they came through again you're, you're tied for first overall you're setting all these records that you know first team in history that's exactly right. what everybody's saying you don't it doesn't sound like you have to get everybody's head in the proper space that they're no we're fine we're fine we we got lots to work on our game rather than work on the standings so <laughs> we're, we're all right we're all right we and guys are i give guys credit because we after we were a little we are just all right in the first period. We took a bad penalty. Naylor took a bad penalty, and then we're down five on three. So there's some there's some things we needed to clean up a little bit in the third or first period. But as the game went on, we got better and just found a way to win. What is one? What are one of those areas? Like, what is one thing that you, you see from this club that could take a potentially a good team to a very good team? Uh, there's still some puck play that we got to clean up a little bit. You know that I'd like to see, but I like the way we played. You know. Uh, there was some real good stuff once we got the, the third goal. We really, I don't think we gave them much at all there then. So there's, there's guys are recognizing what we have to do to win. Not, uh, you know, just because you're up 3-1 doesn't, you don't have to make it 5-1. You can make sure you, the 3-1 stays in place. And it's about winning games. It's not, not about, like, the two points are more important than how many goals you score. So we were after the two points and we got them. What was the ref saying about the disallowed goal? You know what? Uh, that's an interesting one because there's a couple things that would I I would have challenged it. I would have challenged it if they hadn't called a penalty on Cass. But if you challenge it and then there's already a penalty called, now you're going to be down two. I don't think it should have been a penalty. There's there there's there's an argument for goalie interference that the goal shouldn't have counted, but it shouldn't have been a penalized one, right? So. In that case, I may have challenged it, but I can't challenge it when I'm going to go down two men, right? So that's uh, that's an interesting one. You you know you look at it and you have some merit to challenge it, but not when they've called a penalty on us already. So that's where we're at. All right. So there's that quote from uh, Dave Tippett as the Oilers win 4-1 over the New York Rangers, fourth time this season they've been tied after two periods they've won all those games this time they didn't fall behind in the third they get uh, they get the goals and wind up putting it away with a dry settle empty netter ted green passed away on tuesday former oilers assistant ed head coach assistant coach for their five stanley cups we're going to get some memories of uh, of ted green with jim matheson in the next half hour of overtime open line if you're on hold stay there you're also going to hear from uh, mike smith as we move along more with rob brown 
An hour from now, we're going to switch it over to the countdown to kickoff with Morley and Dave. Uh, Morley will pop on between 3 and 3.30 for a preview of the Eskimos game. Montreal just ran a punt back for a touchdown. They're up 9-7 on Winnipeg in the other CFL game today. A lot to talk about. Can, uh, Heartland Ford overtime open line on Oilers Radio, 6.30, Chad. Global News at 2.30. Good afternoon, I'm David Bowles. It's 9 degrees, we're on our way to a high of 11 today. There's some more changes coming to the Yellowhead Highway as work begins slowly to transform it into a proper freeway. Starting Monday, traffic lights at 89th Street on the Yellowhead will be removed and barriers will then be installed to close direct access to the Delton business area. The city says traffic will still be able to access the interchanges at 82nd and 97th Street. The freeway conversion program will see the Yellowhead turn into a freeway with three lanes of traffic in each direction. It's slated to be completed at the earliest 2026 or by 2027. Advanced polls will be open throughout this week, and unlike the provincial election, voters must cast their ballots at a designated polling station. Elections Canada's Leanne Nierfa says even if you didn't receive a voter card, you can still vote. You can register at the polls, um, but you still need to find out where you're going. So you do need to contact Elections Canada, and you can do that by phone. The phone number is 1-800-463-688. 868, or you can go online to elections.ca and use the voter information service. Advanced polls are open until Monday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. And Alberta farmers have had it tough in the last few years. Excessive moisture this year led to flooding and cold temperatures even delayed the growing season. Ken Ferry and Farms in the Edmonton area and says this is the latest challenge they've had in these last couple of years. This is not the first challenging year. We got snowed under one year, then the next year was too wet to seed where we didn't seed 25% of our acres. And then uh, last year was getting close back to normal. And now we have another harvest from hell. Ferrian says the hardships have delayed harvesting, putting more pressure on farmers to get it all done before the cold comes. Checking your 6.30 shed weather mix, sun and cloud high of 11 today, chance of showers overnight and some flurries low of 1. Tomorrow, mixed sun and cloud, chance of rain and showers, 6 the high. Monday, rain or snow, 2. And on Tuesday, back to sun, we'll see a high of 6. Right now at Edmonton, it's 9. I'm David Bowles. Your next scheduled newscast is at 3 on 6.30 shed. All right, hope you're having a great Saturday. Oilers win 4-1 over the Rangers. The goal scorers, Clefbaum, McDavid, and then two from Dreisaitl. Capacaco had the only goal for the New York Rangers, his first one ever in the NHL. Mike Smith, the winning goalie, with 20 saves. The Oilers are indeed 5-0. 780-496-0063. We have Norm standing by. Go ahead, Norm. Yeah, hey, guys. Uh, first, my condolences to Ted Green's family. I think he's the true legend of the game. And something I always like to point out, Rob Brown, best analyst in the game. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, to me, I'm attributing this success to Tippett. Uh, and I just want to get your opinion on... I mean, they, all the teams have talent and guys that can do it. We saw... St. Louis, last place January 1st, win the Stanley Cup. Uh, he's getting them to buy into a system, and 
they're all truly following. And I think to me that is the true deal breaker in all of this. Well, you're right. I think Tippett does have full buy-in from his team, and that is huge. I think he's got a better team than the Oilers had last year, so he has more at his disposal, but he's buying in. He's changed their penalty-killing unit. He's got them playing a much more aggressive style. He's talked about coming up through the middle in their own zone, uh, five up, five back. He's got players, I mean, Larson, before he got hurt, but guys that are more defensive, still jumping up into the attack. We see that all the time with Nurse up there, Clefbaum, Bear, Benning, all guys getting involved. So he's got them buying in. Now, the fact that they've had some success early, certainly helps the coach get his players to buy into something because hey look i see i told you it works but he is he is a player's coach everything i've ever heard about him he's a guy that players like playing for and it is quite obvious right now with the success they've had to start the season that the players are are enjoying it and buying into whatever the coach is selling Three stars this afternoon picked at Medicine Square Garden. McDavid one, Dreisaitl two, Smith three. For the fourth star, I put out a poll on my Twitter account. You still have a few minutes to vote, but I'm going to declare it. You're calling it early. Just like I would for an election. Mm-hmm. I think I get that day off, actually. Oh, nice. Ethan Bear, the fourth star of the game, courtesy White Eagle Homes, built from the homeowner's perspective. With thousands of personalization options, visit White Eagle Homes. Yeah, Bear was good again. He was very good again tonight. Clefbaum also an excellent game on the back end. Uh, it, it was a good game for the Edmonton Oilers. They played the final 40 minutes. They were the better hockey club. Phil, you're on overtime open line. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Lots of trash talk uh, Edmonton and Calgary over the Lucic-Neal trade. Um, Mike Smith, 3-0. and How's the bench warmer doing down in Calgary? Shoveling snow? Are you talking about Talbot? Uh, you got her. Well, Talbot's going to play tomorrow. I, I hope I hope Cam has a has a good season. I agree I mean, too. He was, he was huge for the Oilers a couple of years ago, and uh, he, he's worked really hard in his career. So I, 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 I hope, hope he does he well. Good, I hope he has a good season as well. But Edmonton, Calgary, right? Oh, I hear you. No, Smith's been uh, Smith's been good. I mean, he was his own worst enemy in the game against LA. Other than that, he's he's made the saves he's needed to make. Yeah, I'm just hoping I can get the ball rolling. Right. I got you, Phil. Thanks, buddy. We'll see you around. That is Phil at 780-496-0063. You can also text uh, 630-630. Here's a great great question. Uh, Rod says, honestly, do you think we're a playoff team? I'm happy to be an Oilers fan. That's from Rod. Well, look, before the season, I did not pick the Oilers to make the playoffs. I predicted them to have 88 points and probably be in a... Like, I kind of looked at it and I said... Vancouver, Arizona, Edmonton, maybe Chicago, maybe Winnipeg, probably fighting for a, a second wild card. Hey, 10 out of 10 points in the bank. Every, every team would take it, whether you stole a couple or stole all of them or, st- I mean, whatever. You, you got 10 out of 10. I, this this start is important. It, it's important for the psyche of the team. It's important for confidence. There are going to be bumps. I, I mean, I you know, I read a, I, I read a guy's text you know, a few minutes ago who said, I, I don't believe that there's plenty of time for them to fall apart. I get it. I, I get the hesitation with some of the fans to, to say it's going to have been a good year because there have been so many bad years. I I just hope you enjoyed these first five games. Like, you either win or you lose. It's a 50-50 proposition. I guess you can get a point for losing in the NHL now. But, you know, if 
they, they've shown some good structure. The, the special teams is, is very important. And when the losing streaks or the tough times do hit, that's when it's important to have the points in the bank. And I always say this, the playoff year from 16-17, they started 7-1. and one. They had a five-game losing streak in November and not no points. They didn't get any shootout losses, no overtime losses. They flat-out lost five in a row in regulation. But they were always above 500, above the playoff cut line because they had points in the bank. So I, I'd sooner have these in, in the bank even if you want to pick apart some parts of their game. Well... For, uh, I agree with you. I wasn't sure if this was a playoff team at the beginning of the season. was asked many times, and to me, it all came down to goaltending. I, the goaltending was too big a question mark to be able to say, yes, they're good enough to be a playoff team. And for those that are Oiler fans but aren't enjoying this 5-0 and start because they're waiting for something bad to happen, I, I mean, you look at St. Louis last year, you look at Colorado a few years ago, there were teams that were had stretches of being very bad. Colorado was a terrible hockey club and had a good start to the following year. If if the people didn't get on the bandwagon until March, well, you missed a, a heck of a ride through October, October, November, December. Now, again, 5-0 and start does not guarantee this team a playoff spot, uh, but it does guarantee them a, a good start to the year. And why not enjoy the wins? And we, we've had too many losses. We've had too many years where you and I are doing games in December already knowing that the Oilers were out of the playoffs. So to me, uh, enjoy. Enjoy the wins. Enjoy the fun. You got the top two point getters in, in the National Hockey League right now. You got the storyline of this Parison, some nobody that no one's ever heard of coming over here playing top four minutes. Ethan Bear, who's kind of turned his career around, who's been fantastic right now for the Oilers in a top four role. Uh, Neil's coming off a horrible season in Calgary and is leading the NHL in power play goals. There's so many cool sco- storylines going on right now that if you are an Oiler fan, you've got to take advantage and enjoy this because we haven't had a whole lot to enjoy over the last 13 years. 4-1 win over the Rangers. Whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village. Triple-A steak and succulent seafood cooked at your table. Celebrate your senses at Japanese Village. And that would be on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. All right, David on line six. Go ahead, David. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, just a couple observations, and I'll let you go with the... Uh I, there was two times in this game, once near the end of the second period, once midway through the third, the Oilers rolled lines one, two, three, four, and each line carried the play. I don't know when. I've, I, I don't remember seeing that once last year. And you look down their roster, they've got 14 NHL forwards on the roster. It, you know, Kenny Holland, I'd kiss him. But uh, the other one is the, uh, like you were talking about, the D and the uh the time on ice, you know, Ethan Bear had almost, uh, he was, or, or Matt Banning was low time guy in almost 17 minutes, and Darnell was 22 and a half. I love it. That's, everybody's contributing. So, uh, you know, half a dozen Oilers fans sitting here in Victoria wearing Oilers jerseys, having brunch with lots of champagne and orange juice is a, my definition of a way to start Thanksgiving once the Oilers go 5-0. and Thanks, Thanks David. Nice to hear from you. No, he's right, absolutely right, and that is a nice way to start your Thanksgiving week, and good on them. Yeah, and again, and he's made a point we, we've we've talked about. Ken Holland didn't go out and sign any any star players. If you look at Shahan, Nygaard, Haas, Granlin, Archibald, but they, they'd played in the NHL before. And last year, the Oilers were going through the final third of the season with 
you know, three, four, sometimes five players who were, were AHL players. And that's why I always argue I didn't think the Oilers were a lazy team last season. Mm-hmm. I just think they were outgunned. No. Yeah, they weren't good a, a lot of nights. I mean, and and again, this year, kill the penalties, grind out some shifts. Going to have to score at some point. I, I get that that's still a concern. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought I actually thought Shane had a really good game tonight. Yeah, Quite, he, quietly effective. He's strong on the penalty kill. He, he's played well. And just to take that a little bit further, your point there, at the beginning of the season last year, they had guys that were expected to step up and play prominent roles for the Edmonton Oilers. Guys were minor league players. They had Yamamoto, supposed to be in the top six. They had uh, Pugliarvi well, in top six. They had Reeder in top six. They had, uh, what's the, the, the journeyman? Raddy. Raddy. Was here, yep. Top six. So, like, so now, whereas the Oilers have guys that have experience, not all at NHL level, but experience at either pro in Europe or NHL level over here, playing in these roles last year was a hope i hope one of these guys turns out well you know what archibald's capable of doing because you've seen it for a number of years you know what grandlin is capable of doing shayan is capable of doing so there's not a hope because you've seen what they've done in the past even neil as much as he's come off a bad season he's an nhl player who has had 10 straight years of 20 goals so you weren't hoping players would come out of nowhere because this year you went in knowing exactly what you had in the four the only hope that you had was you were hoping that mike smith would have a turnaround but again this is a national hockey league goaltender that you were counting on to come in and play like he has so you have seen what they've done in the past and that's different from last year coming out of training camp all right we have colin on line three colin once you make your point don't hang up because you're going to finish the play we're already going to give you up to eight days parking at jet set parking best price on edmonton airport parking book online at jetsetparking.com self park as low as 598 per day with the promo code chet but we'll get to the contest here after you make your point go ahead buddy well i i just got my thunder stolen because the uh he was talking about buy-in that when you have success the coach can say see there you go and you can just hear it when guys get interviewed they're buying in and you know when they always go on about offensive defensemen like oh the d has to contribute more well there's nothing like forwards who say screw this and get back and break up a play or at least help to put a lid on it and when you have that the defense they're not gun shy they're not sitting there going oh geez i hope i can deal with this because all of a sudden you've got support and and that's the, the thing i like to see the other thing is you've got two decent goalies one of whom got a contract that people were complaining about but he's not fighting for anything no pressure there and smith has already proven himself as a decent goalie in the past so you've got two guys that if they can get along and if the coach can find an effective way to use both of them without anybody getting their ego bruised or whatever else, I don't know what their personalities are that way. But if you can have one guy who's on the bench saying, okay, I'm here if needed, and the other guy who's having a great game, the guy on the bench can say, damn it, good game. Like, you know, yep. that's that's something I'm, I'm really looking forward to this year. Yeah, well, and one play that stands out for me, Colin, to your first point, I, I think it was already 3-1 Oilers. Alex Chason just tracked down a guy from behind and lifted his stick when he was about to take a shot from the high slot in the third period. That, that was a really good play. Are you ready to finish the play? Yeah, we'll give it a try. I was kind of tuning well, in here and there on the radio app, but hey, we'll, we'll go for sometimes it. Sometimes Rob helps people. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the hint. 
Nugent Hopkins wins the faceoff. Clip bomb, Jack score! We are tied at one. All right, who was providing the screen on that play? Was it Yurcho or Patrick Russell? And the hint is Patrick Russell was a healthy scratch today. (laughs) Well, I was going to say either way I would have said Yurcho because he's he's shown himself to be – he's making these little plays here and there that that are momentum changers already. So I – I would have guessed him anyway. Just, just saying. <laughs> Colin, stay on the line, okay? Your name's going into the grand prize draw for one hour at Fast Track Indoor Karting. That's valued at a thousand bucks. Safe adrenaline pumping fun. Fast Track Karting, Edmonton.com. Oilers win it four-one. We'll bring Rob onto the open line. Hey, Rob, go ahead. Hey, how are you doing, guys? Quite well. Uh, good start for the Oilers, but my call is about Ted Green. Uh, this goes back when he was coaching the Oilers. Uh, Oilers were having a practice at. Uh, uh, Clareview Rec Center, and we were on the other rink, and we finished. And I walked, and I walked over, and I stood on the bench. And he come over and says, "Are you guys playing next?" I go, "No, I was just finished." He says, "Well, enjoy the practice," and he let me stand there the whole practice on the bench. Oh, cool! Yeah, yeah. Well, we're gonna well, have that Jim. Was my, that was my memory of Ted, Ted Green. Well, we're going to have uh, Jim Matheson on in a few minutes here, Rob, who obviously uh, would have known Ted pretty well, so I hope you can hang around for that. Thank you. Okay. That is Rob, 780-496-0063. Yeah, it was was basically announced right before the game. Uh, Tough news. Uh, Ted passed away on uh, Tuesday and obviously was with both the Oilers and and Rangers organizations. And, uh, you know, I guess it was... uh, well, he's Sather and uh, and Muckler together for most of the 80s, and then Muckler took over as coach, and then Ted Green coached for a while as well. So he's uh, definitely a big part of the Oilers franchise. Tell you what, we're going to take a quick timeout. If you're on hold, uh, I promise we're going to get to you. We're sticking with you until 3.30, and then we'll hand it over to football. And as I mentioned, in a couple minutes, we'll hook up with Jim Matheson for some memories of Ted Green. All right, good to have you tuning in. Final score, Oilers 4, Rangers 1. The Rangers scored first late in the first period. Clefbaum tied it in the second frame. In the third, McDavid on the power play, Dreisaitl at even strength, and then Dreisaitl into an empty net, just warded off a defender and uh, pulled away on a breakaway to tuck it home. Mike Smith with 20 saves. Special teams, big story again. The Oilers kill off all four of the Rangers' power plays, including 40 seconds of a five-on-three, and Edmonton goes one for two on its man advantages. McDavid's game-winning goal was on the power play. We have Rick on the line. Rick, go ahead. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Good. Uh, first of all, just got to compliment you guys on, on the great show that you guys do day in, day out. It is just awesome. You know, we do a lot of driving, a lot of traveling, and, you know, it's just like you're in the rink watching the game. So kudos to you, to everybody there. It's really great. So. Thank you very much. We really appreciate that. Hey, you bet. No problem. I have to go into Studio 99 one day and sit down and have a pop or something. Anyway, <laughs> um, just... Uh, Boy, I just can't believe the year, eh? It's just awesome. I, th- I think, uh, I think the, you know, hiring Ken Holland's really made a difference. I think the experience alone has just shown that, you know, the insight he's gotten into the players and stuff. And, and what, uh, <laughs> hey, you got to forgive me there. I'm combining in Saskatchewan here. So, uh, yeah, I just think that he's done such a, a good job of picking these guys. And, you know, like, look at James Neal, what he's done. And, and uh, even Mike Smith, you know, I think if the D-man, you know, figure out where he's going to blast that puck and, uh, I cannot wait for that one time when he fires one up the middle of McDavid on a power play. I just can't. I can't wait for an assist from Mike Smith. So 
There was one time tonight, too, I don't know if you noticed it, if you watched the game, but the puck came back behind the net. Two other defensemen were back there with him, but Mike Smith jumped out quickly and looked up ice. He was looking to make the breakaway pass, even though he had two defenders with him. And I, I honestly, he might be, if he's not the best at passing the puck on the other's defense. He might be second or third. Like, he is that good at moving the puck, which is absolutely amazing. So that what has turned out so far to be a very good signing by Kenny Holland. Let's go back to Manhattan. Here's the Oilers goaltender. This team, is, especially with some of the talented players we have, is that um, there's more, just more incentive to keep the game close because you have guys in this team that can... Can, it can change the game in the blink of an eye. So I think we all know who those guys are. But, um, yeah, obviously we don't want to get down in games, but um, for some reason that's been happening more recently than not. But, um, you know, one goal is nothing. Um, and I think guys are starting to figure that out, that we can't get down on ourselves. We can't, you know, you know, start hanging our heads in here. we got to go, you know, get better and, and figure out a way to uh, to get one. And once we get one, we figure out, you know, how to build on that. Mike, that's happened a couple times where you guys have said, oh, we haven't played our best game, but you walk out with two points. Is that a sign of, of things maybe changing around here, that those those games are coming that's, up? Is it, that's a good sign, I think. Uh, you know, I think we've played a real solid game in, in the island. Um, uh, we didn't play as well in Jersey either, but I think we're we're finding ways to get it done, and, and that's what that's what it's all about, really. I and mean, there's there's uh, you, know, you can say what you want, but I mean the points are in the bank; you can't take them back from us. And we're just finding ways to get it done in um, different ways. So it's 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 good for our confidence. It's good for the belief of this team. And uh, moving forward, it's going to be huge uh, huge points down the stretch here. You guys ripped through New York, win all three. I've covered lots of different teams. Someone always drops something out here. <laughs> uh, I guess. Not not us. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's it's usually a tougher tougher place to come into and kind of you know they've always had good teams and competitive teams. So um, I don't I don't know if I've ever been on a team that's came in here and, and done done this. But it's it's a good sign for this team. Obviously, the confidence is is a big thing. Well, yeah, they're looking confident. Love that uh, love that comment. Uh, you, one goal down isn't isn't a big deal, and the Oilers have uh, come back at some point in uh, all five victories so far this season. We'll quickly jump on the line here with uh, Post Media's Jim Matheson. Jim, you're on with uh, Reed. Thanks for checking in today. I know uh, you obviously knew Ted Green quite well, Part of a big part of the Oilers' Stanley Cup wins from 84 to... Uh, to, to 90, but a, a unique perspective for, for you. You got to know Ted a bit as a person too, not just as a coach. Yeah, he was kind of, he was, he, what you saw on the ice as a player where, he, you know, he was terrible, Ted Green. You know, Bobby Orr said, uh, when asked who the toughest player he ever saw was, he said Ted Green in practice. So um, as a player, he was very tough, but uh, he was kind of a gentle soul away from the rink. He had lots of interest. He was kind of an entrepreneur. I remember he, he came, across, came upon an idea of a coin-operated skate sharpening machine, and it was doing very well until, you know, the people that he was dealing with couldn't get the parts for it anymore, and it, he probably would have made a ton of money with that, but uh, it didn't go as far as it could have. And, and uh, you know, he was. I remember one day my son, who was about seven years old, was sitting outside the dressing room at Rexall Place, and I picked him up from school, and he was reading a book, and Teddy happened to come up off the ice, saw my son and saw the book and said, much smarter idea than chasing pucks in the stands. He'll go a lot farther to read the book than chasing pucks. And uh, my son's a lawyer now, so Teddy knew what he was talking about. You know, Sather Muckler Green 
was one guy the the tough guy and one guy was the the one the players went to or like how were sort of the responsibilities and the the personalities divided on that coaching staff well i think Sather was kind of the bench coach the psychologist uh uh, muck john was the technical guy and teddy was the kind of the arm around the player's shoulders as, as the other assistant coach um and but when he did speak uh everybody was hanging on every word and when teddy got emotional and his lips started quivering and his his jaw you know started quivering um you knew he was emotional and what he was saying that the players better listen so he didn't do that often as an assistant coach but when he spoke uh, you had to pay attention because he knew what he was talking about and uh um, you know, he was a winner. He won. He won. Uh, the thing about Teddy Green that's the most amazing is he played with the greatest defenseman of all time, Bobby Orr, and he was in on the ground floor with the greatest player of them all, Wayne Gretzky, as a coach. Not many people can say they had that seat in the house. You know, two of the three best players of all time. He was involved with them when they were both very young. And, uh, um, very lucky and then you know when he finished playing he, you know he got involved with the mustard seed helping the homeless and never let anybody know um quietly did it on his own without people knowing that was kind of the way teddy was too he was very uh didn't want it was never about teddy you know he was never blowing his own horn and um that was what made teddy special i think jim well we appreciate it i know a lot of fond memories of, of ted green today thanks for sharing a couple of yours as Jim Matheson from Post Media, obviously, has been uh, covering the Oilers their entire run here in the National Hockey League. And uh, Ted Green definitely will be missed. Big contributor to the Edmonton Oilers franchise. Today's version of the Edmonton Oilers winning 4-1 over the New York Rangers. They're 5-0 on the season. We'll get uh, Sam in for a quick comment here before we break for the news. Go ahead, Sam. Hi, guys. Uh, first and foremost, uh, my condolences to the Ted Green family. Uh, he was a great guy. He did a lot for the Oilers in the 80s and 90s. Um, but uh, off that note, uh, talking about the, the Oilers of today, um, the one caller that I heard, which he's mystified because the last 26 years we haven't made the playoffs or whatever, right? Come on. Take a look at the play as the players today. I mean, I give it all to Holland there. He brought the right team, people in to support them. Yeah, I think that's a good call, Sam. We appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a long way to go this year, but but good signs. And as we were saying, there's a, there's a different uh, makeup of the depth players, and certainly that's helping some of the checking and and uh, some of the penalty killing. Rob, we're going to keep going. You got another half hour in you? I got nowhere to be but here with you, Reed. We, as long as we're uh, ready to watch Eskimos at 5, we're going to bring Morley on the next half hour. We got Greg, Rick, Sam, and Cam on the open line. We'll get some more post-game reaction. We're flying. The Oilers are flying. 5-0. and They beat the Rangers 4-1. Oilers hockey presented by World of Spas. This is Overtime Open Line for Heartland Ford.
The Oilers win 4-1 over the Rangers. Couple of goals for Dreisaitl. Also had an assist as we look at the Edmonton Trailers scoreboard. Lightning and Senators scoreless early in the second period. Baseball playoffs. Nationals lead the Cardinals 1-0 after three. CFL, four and a half minutes left in the first half. Winnipeg leading Montreal 15-10. Eskimos-Lions at 5 o'clock. Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Our coverage will start at 3.30. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving planned. We have Greg on the line. Greg, go ahead. Hey, guys. Um, I just want to say a couple things, and then i got a question for you. I hope James Neal breaks out of this slump he's in. You know, he's kind of uh, <laughs> slowing down. But um, also, the one thing I was – do you think we can uh, tie the 83-84 record for seventh straight? That'd be – we're on our way. That'd be nice. But um, what I was just wondering is I didn't see Smith um, – come out of the net uh, a lot today like he usually does. I'm just wondering if maybe, um, I don't know, something was said in the dressing room or something for him to stay in the net because of the L.A. game. Um, so I'm just kind of curious because I know that's one of his stronger attributes. So I, I, w- I would still like to see him play the puck a little bit more, but uh, obviously not like the L.A. game. So just uh, your thoughts and comments on that. Thanks, yeah, that's guys. a good question. Well, if he doesn't come out of the net a whole lot, it's because the opposition has done a really good job of putting it in places for to not allow him to come out. I mean, Mike Smith, Mike Smith is going to come out as much as he can, every chance he can, and he, that's his game. It's not, he's not going to change, and there's no way that anyone in the Oilers dressing room is going to tell him not to because that's a strength. So uh, for him not to be out as much as usual means the New York Rangers did a very good job of putting the puck in positions that don't allow him to come out the net, of the net as often as he would have liked. Rangers, they have some fast guys. They do. So maybe that was a factor as well. Uh, possibly, although, I mean, Smith gets out of the net very, very quick. It just, when you go against teams that have a goalie that loves to roam and loves to play the puck, you want to put the puck in in areas of the zone of the that he can't get to. Put it right in the corner or you fire it as hard as you can up around the glass so that he can't get out to play it. Because if you put it just, if you just dump it in for the sake of dumping it in, he's going to come out and he's going to turn it back your way very, very quickly. Uh, the Rangers had a pretty good game plan for their, through the first 30 minutes. The final 30 minutes, the Edmonton Oilers seemed to take over and that's why they got the two points. All right, Ethan from Saskatoon says there seems to be no panic in the Oilers this year. Last couple of years, we were chasing the puck too much. Tippett has put in a structure that everyone has bought into that is uh, nice to see. Kevin says, just a quick question, Mike Smith's ability to handle the puck, can that be taught to up-and-coming goalies, or is that just a knack? Um, it's It can be taught and improved on. Uh, some guys are just born. He talks about, I think he was under, he was the backup to Turco. And he had to push himself. And he, had, he saw how good and how effective Turco was, so he made himself better by doing it. Now, it's just like uh, when a guy scores 40 goals, well, why don't you just go out and learn how to shoot like that guy? Why can't someone, why doesn't everyone do what Leon does in practice so that you can shoot and score 50 goals? Uh, guys are born with more talent than others, and Mike Smith's talent of moving the puck is something that he can work on, but he has some God-given abilities there that a lot of other goaltenders would not be able to emulate. You know, that other texter made the comment about no panic, and and I've I've always felt that, you know, show, show me a good team in any sport and show me a team that can recover from mistakes or that can win when they have an off day. And we'll see if the Oilers become a good team this season, but the, the great teams don't always play perfect games, but they mm-hmm. can figure it out and stay with it as, as the game goes along, right? I, I mean, and and that's the last couple of years as they became poor seasons for the Oilers. If they got behind 
one nothing, you felt like, oh no, how bad is it going to get? I mean, it's very early this year, but you've but because of how they've performed and come back in the third period, we've been tied going to the third period. I, watching, I've felt like, okay, it's only one, and that's what Mike Smith said in his interview. Like w- one goal is not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. You. Most games don't end in a shutout, so you're going to give up a goal at, at some point. Don't let it ruin your day. Well, they have confidence, for one. Their goaltender's given them saves. So if they fall behind by one, there's no panic because they know, well, he's going to make the next save. And they have. Both goaltenders have kept the game within one each and every time. They, they, the Oilers have fallen behind. They, the lead has not been extended because the goalie's made the saves. Another thing is they got confidence in their penalty killing now. Last year, if they fell behind, they're thinking, okay, now we got to play a, a safe game. We can't uh, be physical. We can't uh, get our sticks up. We're going to lose a little bit on the forecheck because we know we can't take a penalty because we will get scored on. So I, th- I think there's less panic in the team right now because they have confidence in other aspects of the game other than scoring goals they have confidence in their goaltending they have confidence in their penalty killing that allows them to be a confident team and able to overcome falling behind early in games without too much panic all right we'll go to cam cam go ahead how's it going good exciting times i was just going to say a couple things here first thing um i think there's real reason to be optimistic i mean you can't just happened on this road trip so really exciting brownie i was gonna ask you a question did you play against swift when um when trevor kruger was the goaltender he won the memorial cup but you were already in pros by by the time he was playing a while weren't you uh, i don't recall that name but that simply could be i'm old and i got very bad memory but right. yeah no I, I i don't recall no that's Scotty's little brother, right? Scotty died in the crash. You mm-hmm. remember Scott? I mean, you guys. Yep. Had, had well, it, well, if was was he around the goalie around at the time of the crash? Oh Cause, yeah. Because I played, I played junior at that time. So yeah, I would yeah. have been around. I don't, but I don't recall. I'm sorry. Yeah, you were only coming to Swift every once in a while, right? So, once a year. So, yeah, but he he was he handled the puck. I think if you ever had a chance to ask anybody that was in the East at that point in time, he handled the puck like nobody I've ever seen before. And he was a converted a converted forward, so it was kind of wild. The other thing I was going to say here, um, all positive stuff, but the group, um, like this particular group right now, I think the big thing, the confidence is there. If you think about that first shot on net, who had the breakaway early in the game? Well, that was Benajat, who had eight points in the first two games of the year. Right. So Smitty makes that save, right? And I'm not, you know, the the pass is the pass, but in the pass, that one might go in. So, I mean, I just see a group that's confident. There's been some improvements in the depth, and obviously Tip is a wonderful coach. But as far as everything goes right now, I just think you get that goaltending solid. You got two guys in there that you know you're going to get nine saves on every ten shots, and that's just a huge building block. Yeah, well, I, I agree. That was a big save early, and yeah, it was the year of uh, it was the year of Talbot and Montoya. They combined to allow the first goal, on, I think in thirteen games. And, and you're right, that's that's deflating. Smith had a very good game. He made good saves while they were shorthanded, and, and I thought Lundqvist had a good game as well. Probably he would want the one back that Dry, dry was mm-hmm. first one that came from a bad angle, and he didn't corral it. Yeah, but uh, he, had, one more he quick, had a good game too. One more quick thing: the evolution of skill and. When everybody's doing their thing, you have guys like Clefbaum that can play the game he wants to play. And I mean, just something as simple as symbolic, but a simple thing like that shot, getting that shot through. And other times, you know, he may not have had the time to actually walk like that and get it through. It's just everything's in order with this particular group. Everything's grouped properly. 
in the offensive zone. And, you know, there's the evolution of skill. A guy like that's able to do some of the things that he does, and that shot was unbelievable. I mean, there's about a three-inch space he could get that thing through. So, no, it's exciting times, and I, there's reason to be optimistic. Let's, let's see what we can do. Okay, see you, Cam. That is Cam 7804960063. We're with you until the bottom of the hour. Then we will pass the puck, and it'll turn into a football. And this guy, along with Dave Campbell, will catch it. Morley Scott checking in from the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Morley, ready to rock and roll. Uh, another situation here where the Eskimos can nail down that uh, playoff spot, but a change at running back today. Yeah, it, it, there is a change, and I think that's going to be a big part of the game. Read uh, Shaq Cooper will come in for C.J. Gable. Shaq Cooper's a guy, he plays a lot different than Gable does. He's He's got that breakaway speed. He dances a little bit more uh, behind the line of scrimmage, and he'll go left, he'll go right. C.J. just makes holes and goes straight ahead. I think uh, Cooper has been good. The games he started, he's got 100 yards. He scored touchdowns. He's been good out of the backfield catching the ball, too. I'm excited to watch him play today. I think uh, he might be the spark the Eskimos offense needs to try and get something going. And if he gets going on the run game, you know, that's going to open things up in the pass game for him as well. You know, a lot has been made of, of who the Eskimos have beaten to to have a record of 7-8, and eight, Ottawa twice, Toronto twice, Montreal once. Those are BC's five wins. So the only difference yep. between these two teams is that Edmonton was able to beat BC twice. How, if at all, are the Lions different or, or playing differently uh, than they were when the Eskimos beat them twice in the first five weeks? Their two lines are much better. Their offensive line and their defensive line, they've made some changes there. They brought in Sean Lemon defensively. Uh, you know, BC had seven sacks the first eight games of the year. Since Sean Lemon arrived, they've got 18 quarterback sacks. He's been good. He's got eight of them. Uh, he's given them a little more zip on their defensive line. And, of course, they made the change on the offensive line at coach and brought in Kelly Bates replacing the fired Brian Chu. They've made some subtle changes, some personnel changes, and they are protecting much better. They didn't give up a quarterback sack last week at all in their game against Toronto. In uh, three of the last uh, four games, they've uh, pretty much limited other defensive lines uh, as far as uh, sacks go. So uh, they're better on the line of scrimmage. And you know, that's the rule, right? If you win the line of scrimmage, you usually win the football game. All right, Morley, looking forward to it, man. I know you guys are taking over after the 3.30 news, and uh, I'll give you away for my seat in Section H. All right, I appreciate it. I'll watch for you, Reid. <laughs> that is Morley Scott. He's going to be, uh, who else we got there? Dave's going to be there. Blake's going to be there. Brandon Scott, who's right now working in the studio, is going to be there on the sidelines. Long day for this young man. Yeah, but he's young. He's in shape. It's nothing for... I think he... Did, and didn't you do a Sherwood Park Crusaders game last night? Oh, yeah. This is, I think, day four of 12-hour work days. So, but all the nurses, all the all the workers out there have no sympathy for that. So we keep doing it because it's what we love to do, fellas. Why did you specifically mention nurses? Because that's the only thing off the top of my head I could think worked a 12-hour shift. I'm sure there's plenty of others. I'm sure, I'm sure there are. That's okay. He's actually probably not. He's probably looking forward to going outside today. It's beautiful outside. Take full advantage of yeah, these nice, gorgeous days. Might be the last one that we get here this football season. I know we got that game a little later on with Saskatchewan in town, and I'm not looking forward to the weather forecast for that one. So yeah, this one will be, will be okay. appreciative. It'll be good. Uh, 15-10, Winnipeg leading Montreal at halftime. A very unusual play in this game. Montreal was lining up for an offensive play, and a receiver, it's one of those receiver blew the snap count and he was five yards offside when the ball was snapped so the officials threw their flags but did not blow the whistle but Vernon Adams turned around and just kind of spiked the ball behind him and then realized like oh wait 
Play's still alive. Play's still alive. So he had to run back, and I think they lost 15 yards. He got it back, but it was a huge loss. Well, the, the Winnipeg declined the penalty because well, yeah. <laughs> he just threw the ball 20 yards into his own zone. I was, that's what you're talking on the air. I'm like, pointing, okay, you got to see this play, read because this was really, really dumb, and it was. All right. Uh, Montreal's been a fun team to watch. They do have a punt return touchdown in this one. Winnipeg is up five at the half. Uh, Oilers uh, into Chicago. So here I'll ask you the question I've asked you every game. Who's the goalie on Monday? Wow. Uh, Smith was excellent today. I Honestly, I'd probably go back with Smith. He was that good in this game. Uh, Koskin, they, they've kind of gone two games, two games. So if you're going on that, maybe he's given the, the goalies two games each before they switch out. Uh, it. He's got a little extra time because it was an afternoon game, not a night game. Yeah, I would go with Smith in the game against Chicago and then probably come back with Koskinen for the home game uh, on Wednesday. The the ice didn't appear to be good today. No. And, no, you played... And actually, 20 to 30 years ago. Before you, you go before you go any further on that, that might be another reason why Smith didn't come out as much as well, too. With, oh, the, puck point, bounce, yeah. with the puck being dumped in, bouncing everything, it's qu- probably not quite as safe, and it could bounce over a stick. It's one thing if a defenseman or a forward have a puck bounce over a stick. It's another thing if it's a goalie. Sorry, go on. Well, no, I was going to say, like you. this is the thing, it's the same rink you played in 20 to 30 years ago during your career, yep. and you experienced the same difficulties. Oh, it, it was terrible. There, it, it is... The most famous, as I heard you talk about earlier, the most famous arena in the world, the reason it's quite famous because something is happening in it every single night, it, it seems. So that means ice is going in and out or the boards are going up over top of the ice. And when you have that much traffic on an ice surface, it, it just it's not going to be as good as elsewhere and it's and it's an old rink. This is it's been around forever. The ice has always been terrible there and it, it affects Bad ice affects skilled players more than anyone because they're the ones that seem to that need the good ice to make the good plays that try to do things with the puck on their stick. You and I counted, and it was halfway through the game when we started counting five players that fell by themselves. They right. were skating, nobody on them, and they tripped and fell time and time again. Passes that there was nobody forcing, but the puck was bouncing over the player and player stick and loss of an offensive opportunity. So it's tough to play. I know on the bench, the coaches will be stressed and stay with it, stay with it. But it changes the way you play a little bit. You become a little safer because you don't want that big turnover that could change the complexion of the hockey game. So uh, it's tough playing on that. The Oilers stayed with it and eventually got the breaks they needed late in the game. Talking about how a goaltender or Smith specifically can impact the game without making saves. Smith does it with his puck handling and you made a good point on a cross ice pass in the first period where the Ranger player shot wide and it looked like oh he screwed up a chance to have an open side of the net but you made a good point. Smith actually ruined that chance for I think that was a Zibanejad as well that cross he oh. cross pass came across the crease and Smith just read the play and, and tipped the pass. Well, he's very quick with his stick. He's good with his stick. He's very involved in the play, and he a lot of times you see back back side goals where the puck goes across the screen and the guy in the back end puts it into a wide open net. It's because the goalie didn't know he was there there. Smith is very aware of where everyone is on the ice. Jonathan Quick used to talk about it all the time, too. He knows where the pass is going to go. He's reading it. So it looks like he, he he read it or that he got over quickly. Well, no, I knew the pass was going there. That's where it had to go. And on that play right there, Smith knew that there was someone backdoor. And as the puck was about to come, he got his stick out and it deflected. And we saw one earlier this year where Koskinen didn't get his stick out. And the puck went backdoor 
wide open net. You've got to help your defenseman out. There's going to be times where somebody is uncovered. You've got your stick. Don't let the puck go through a passing lane. Mike Smith did a wonderful job earlier and took away a wide open net for Zabinajad, who is the best player on the New York Rangers. So, again, he changed the complexion. He changed the course of the game, which it's a small, subtle play. Oilers win it 4-1. We have Brian on line one. Go ahead, Brian. Hey, guys. I love your guys' show. Um, I'm just saying that I, I see a lot of Flutie out there, like everybody's covering or they're back-checking and going up on the ice. Goaltending is looking good now, so I'm just enjoying it right now because we'll run into a few bumps, but otherwise it's great hockey for us fans now, eh? Well, it is, and I mean, like we said, tie games after two periods in four of the five games. And in three of those four, the Oilers then fell behind in the third period and, and, and still won. The the Islanders game they kind of put away in the in the in the second period, but t- today they they got the first goal in the third and and hung on from there. Thanks, Brian. Glad you're enjoying it. Thank you. It's Brian seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Yeah, I mean I, I've I, I know sometimes a team will win a close game and somebody might oh they got a little lucky or, or this or this. I mean most most games in the NHL are close mm-hmm. and. They all start tied, believe it or not. <laughs> they all start tied, believe it or not. So you got to take control at some point. And this was a good third period mm-hmm. by the Oilers today. And you can't say the, the Rangers were fatigued or playing back-to-back because they hadn't played since last Saturday. I, I thought th- I mean, I thought this was a pretty good hockey game all around. I thought very even through two periods. But, but I mean, the Oilers were the better team in the third. Well, a lot of people, and we've had the phone calls, well, they only beat this team. It's a bad team. They only beat them. 2-1 if you're they should have beat them by more but if you go through at the end of the season the top teams in the league and the bottom teams in the league and you throw out the empty net goals the top teams in the league are going to have a very good one loss one loss record in one goal games the bottom teams are going to have a very poor record in one goal games and that's what it is. I mean, the good teams win one-goal games more so than the bad teams do. And uh, tonight, the Oilers came through, and it was more than a one-goal game, but they kept it close. And then at the end of the game, when they got their chances, they capitalized. When the Rangers got theirs, the Oilers had a big save by their goaltender. That's what separates playoff teams and non-playoff teams. It's how well they do in the close games. There's always going to be a few blowouts either way. The Oilers are going to get blown out this year, and they're going to blow a few teams out. But most games, as you say, are close, and the teams that win the close game more often than not are the teams that are still playing in April and May. All right, final call of the afternoon. We'll go to Mike. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, Mike, do we have you? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, that's better. Go ahead, man. I just wanted to make a comment on um, obviously a lot of people have been talking about the defense looks improved and we're playing like a team, which I agree. And Bear is looking like a rock star. I just want to talk about Nurse. I heard Darnell Nurse came into camp 10 pounds leaner this year. And what I'm noticing about him is he's a lot quicker. If he's out of position, he can use his wheels, which he's always had. But now he can, his step looks a lot faster. And I feel like his stick is a lot more um, useful. He's, he's gaining body position and, and using a quick stick. Do you guys see the same thing? Um, I, I think Nurse has looked confident. When you're confident, uh things that you do you do with them a little more aggressively uh he's looked fine i think he's enjoying and relishing the the fact that he's put in a role to be a shutdown guy uh, an important role on this hockey club 
I, I think that, and it's fine, I see a lot of players, I do a lot of events with them uh, throughout the year and in the summer, and I'm always shocked at when I see, oh, there's Jordan Everly, God, he, he's like 175 pounds, like, and there's and there's Mark Giordano. I mean, he's he's fit, but he, he's not he's not huge like you would think he would be the way that he plays. The, the NHL right. right now is going speed. It's all speed. These guys are strong, but they're strong in a different way than than we were years ago. Not me, but other guys were years <laughs> ago when they were big and bulky and strong that way. So I think that Darnell Nurse realized, you know what? The way that I need to play and the way I can be successful in this league, maybe I don't need that extra 10, 15 pounds of weight. Maybe if I'm just a little bit quicker, that'll be make me a much more effective player. And and it has so far. I think he's been fine. I think I think there were some hiccups with him and Larson in preseason, but I think those have cleared up and he's been much better in the regular season thus far. And he's still got a lot of growth to do. But yeah, I think the way that the game is played nowadays, I think losing 10 pounds and, and putting it into speed probably benefits you more as a player than 10 to 15 pounds of bulk i agree thanks mike thank you all right we're gonna wind her down here for our hockey coverage and we are gonna go into football can the eskimos finally clinch a playoff spot they can take care of it today they got to take on the bc lions they are 2-0 and against the lions this season but bc trying to pull off a late season rally as they have won four in a row. Big thanks to Brendan Escott, our studio producer this afternoon, and he's heading to the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium to handle the sidelines. The Oilers win it 4-1 over the Rangers. Dry settle with three points. You can get more on 630Ched.com. Our next Oilers broadcast is Monday night, 5 o'clock for the face-off show game at 6.30 as they will take on the Chicago Blackhawks. The Oilers are 5-0 and for the first time since 85-86. McDavid has 12 points in five games. Dreisaitl has 11. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Oilers hockey has been presented by World of Spas. Overtime open line presented by Heartland Ford. Happy Thanksgiving. Take care.